I want to tonight to try to um, help us in a, in a fact of how God consistently takes us to the next place. How, how do I go from, from where I'm at and the position I'm in or the place that I'm in that may, may just be done got old, boring, it, it, I just know that it's just time to move. How, how does God move me from that to the other side of where I want to be? And so we're going to call this tonight, uh, You Have Not Gone This Way Before. Look at the person beside you and tell them, you haven't gone this way before. You haven't gone this way. You, you may have crossed a lot of things and done a lot of different things, but the next thing that you have to do will be different. And it's different because it is setting you up for the next thing that you're supposed to do. They're all tied together. And so as you turn in your Bibles with me tonight, go to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8, and then I'm going to come back and finish verses 9 through 17. But the chapter itself gives us a picture of us moving forward, not, not having to start over. A lot of times people are like, well, I'm starting over. I'm having to start over. No, you're not. You're not starting over. You've already learned some things. You already know a few things. You already, But at the same time, you can't do it the same way. So it's important to remember, because I, I used to always be beaten up by that mindset when I was young. It's like, guess I got to start all over again with God. I got to start all over my journey. No. No, even the failures, even the things that didn't go well, are still teaching you. They're still training you. It's just a lot more painful a lesson. So go with me, beginning at verse 1, chapter 3 of Joshua, and let's read together. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out for Achaia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. Now, God has already spoke to Joshua and told him, you're fixing to cross over. We read a few sermons ago about Joshua 1, where he looks at the people and says, we're going over. Get ready. In three days, we're going over. Well, guess what? Three days is coming. And so here's what happens. So he, he gets real close, and then he lodges. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, and the priest and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. Look at that person beside you and say, you haven't done it this way before. Now, of all the things the children of Israel have been through, all the stories, I mean, all the stuff Moses took them through, I mean, I'm talking about from Egypt carrying through frogs and everything, and he says, but what's going to happen? You've never done it before. No, nobody in your family's ever done this. Your, your papa used to talk about, oh, we did. He ain't never done this. 
So what God is fixing to do is going to be new to you. It's going to be new in your life. Now this scares a lot of us because I grew up in in church where, man, we would do Jericho marches all the time to get answers to prayers and, and things. And I used to think, I don't know if God is going to do it that way again, just because we're going to do what Joshua did, that's going to make it happen. But it seems good to do what somebody else has done, and then hopefully we'll get the same results, right? Most of the time, it doesn't. Because God is is a God that loves to do a new thing. Just go ahead and look at that person beside you and tell them, say, I'm different. Yeah, you keep saying it all the time. I'm just not like everybody else. That's good. Go ahead and tell them. Just say, I'm different. Smile. But see, when you say it, you're not bragging about it. You're like, I'm different. It means I'm messed up or I'm just not right. No, you're just different. So that means God's got to do something different. He's going to speak different. He's going to, he's going to use different things. Joshua is different than Moses. And he says, you're going to have this space. Verse 5. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spoke to the priest, saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. This is important. Verse 8. You shall command the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you have come to the edge of the water of Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. Now this is something they've never heard, never, never, never imagined. This is the strategy. The Jordan River is at its peak. There's, there's it's the worst time to try to cross. And so just like Israel in our lives, we have been through journeys, we've gone through things, and Joshua has spent most of his life under the tutelage of Moses, and he's thought to himself, okay, well, I'm going to do it like Moses did it. And I, I'm, I'm going to do the way Moses taught, and, and I'm going to try to be like, because that's what we do. We, we try to find some way to emulate somebody or do it a certain way, and that makes it easier than to walk in a different way. The unique thing about when we read Hebrews, the 11th chapter, is that every one of those people are different. Noah is different than Abraham, and and all of them are different. They all have different personalities. They all have different backgrounds. They all have different problems. One's building an ark, one's sacrificing his son. Each one has a different challenge. Each one has a different problem. Each one has a different personality. And that's okay because the God that we serve has said already from the beginning of our life before the problem arrives that I'm going to do a new thing. And it doesn't bother me that I'm going to do it new because it's going to, when I do it, exalt you just like your papa and just like your grandfather and just like your dad was and just like all those people you've heard before and just like Billy Gray and just like Martin Luther King and just like all the other people you've heard of in great past they were just people at the time that I came by they did what I asked them to do and I exalted them but understand just as I did them when you do what I'm asking you to do I will exalt you 
This is important. Because to think that we're never going to be as good as is not limiting us. It's limiting what God can do. And so God throughout the first chapter is telling Joshua, be of good courage, Joshua. Be strong, Joshua. And Joshua's thinking, I've never been here before. I know. And I know Joshua's thinking to himself, well, God's going to give me something, something I can do that I'm comfortable with. No. He looks at him and he says, here's our strategy. You're going to tell the priest to get the ark. Give the people three days to get ready. And then you're going to tell the priest to start walking toward the Jordan. And when they get to the Jordan, you tell them as you're walking into the Jordan, don't worry, when you get to the middle, you stop. Well, what if it doesn't happen? Don't worry. God says you're going to see some great stuff. And so what happens is, and I'm going to give you four, five points tonight that will walk us through the steps that happen for each one of us. You need to know these. Because I have to walk through these every time God says, Tim, i got a new challenge. Because the first thing is, God, I've never done that before. You need to find somebody who's done that before. And God's like, no, no, you'll do. But I need you to understand certain things. Number one is this. Write this down. Our life, like the Israelites in their journey, is always by a new way. You're going to have to get comfortable at doing something different than you normally do. If, you're not, if you don't grow to be a person who can be comfortable when somebody says, hey, come ride with me, I'm going to do this. No, no, I just don't. You've got to be comfortable at stepping into places that you aren't normally comfortable when you've told yourself all these things up to this time, you know, I'm just not a people person. I'm just, well, guess what? In the, in the kingdom of God, we're all people. So that means you've got to become uncomfortable at being comfortable around people. That means, well, I want to grow. Then you need to sign up for a class. Well, you know, I don't do good in those little rooms with the classes and stuff. You've got to Realize that everything that's going to happen in your life is going to come because it's something new. There's nothing old that's going to recreate your life. The Israelites have spent this whole journey and God has been trying to get this in them that I am going to do something new. And if you would just trust me every time you come into a problem and I'll show you something new. If you come into bitter waters, I'll show you something new. Cut down a tree. How's that going to fix anything? Don't worry about it. Just do what I'm asking you to do. We're going to starve to death. There's no food out here. Just ask me. Oh, no, you're going to kill us. Well, let me just show you how strong I am. Tomorrow about this time... Enough quail's going to fall from the sky that you're going to get sick of eating quail. That can't happen. The next morning, guess what? God is constantly trying to get you, let me say it this best way I can, to quit thinking. Just quit thinking. What's got you into this situation in life so far is your thinking. You think you can figure it out. You think you have a great plan. You think 
And God says, the whole purpose of following me, just like I was teaching Israel, is that you have never been this way before. Best thing you can say to yourself is, I've never been here before. And say it with confidence. Say it with confidence. If God is your Father... If you followed him up to here, then be able to say, I have never been here. I don't know what to do here. I don't know how we're going to get out of here. You think that's, that's a discouraging thing, but listen to me. What it does is it opens you up, if you say it with the right amount of faith, to say, God, I'm open to whatever it is that you want to do. I'll show it to you in a little bit. Number two, verse four tells us you have not gone this way before. Go back with me to verse five. Number two is simply this. Life, life is also an irretraceable event. Not only have you not been here before, but you're never going to go back to here again. Life is not only, it's not an, only an untraveled event where God is saying, you've never been here and, and this has never been traveled before. You've never done this. But he's also saying at the same time, as you're doing this, you need to understand you're never going to come back here again. That's what makes staying where you are miserable. Even though, you, you, even though you're like, I want to, but I'm just going to stay here. I, I'd, I'd like to, but I'm just not going to do it. I'd like, when you don't do it, you're trying to hold on to something that can't be held on to. Because even if you don't want things to change, that's what, that's what happens to us old people. We get tired of buying new clothes. We don't bought clothes. We bought bell bottoms. We bought tie-dye. We bought Coca-Cola. We bought it all. We've done it all. And we reach a point where sooner or later somebody says, well, this is the new stuff. And you're like, I just wear what I got on. That's when you know you're old. Look at the person beside you and say, are you old? Because what we do is we, we, we get tired of the untraveled. We get tired of, of so we, what we want to do is we want to stay right here. And it's like, can't everybody just stay right here? But not only is life an untraveled road that has to be journeyed. It has to. Because you can't get to where your heart desires if you don't. But also... It's irretraceable. You can't, you can't hold on to it. You can't go back to it. You can't. It can only be lived forward. There are churches that, that struggle because they still want to. Why can't we all go back to singing that? Why can't we just all go back to church being this way? There are families. 
We done talked about wardrobes. Don't make me go to your closet. I, th- I got up Sunday and I preached Sunday and the shirt I had, man, I picked that bad, but I love that shirt. Man, I thought, yeah. First thing my wife and daughter said, we're burning that shirt when you don't see. See, that's what I'm saying. Get, I'll give it to you. They're like, we're burning that. I'm just letting you know, Dad. I'm like, what's wrong with my shirt? They're like, it's just, it just ain't, it just ain't, Dad. I'm like, come on. I said, then go through my closet. And I thought about it. No, no, don't go through my closet. I'll go through my closet. But Israel has struggled all the way because not only life is a journey that's moving forward, but they're always struggling because they want to try to find a place to stop. In fact, understand that two of the tribes of Israel decide they're not even going to cross over the Jordan. Two tribes get on just close enough to the Jordan on this side and they're like, uh, y'all go ahead. We're just going to stay here. We're happy. We, ain't nobody whooping us up. We're not having to fight nobody. No problem. Y'all go over and whoop all them Canaanites and all them. Y'all just have all the fun you want. But we're, we're not going anywhere. So as long as you stay where you are, as long as you fight moving forward, and you, and you can say it a million ways. You can say, let's say a young person in here tonight and they're like you know I I, I, I want a job I want to I want to I want to better myself I want well do you want to get a haircut I don't want to cut my hair you want to wear a belt you see it, it, when I move forward I'm leaving things that are behind and it's painful I know what I want But if I leave, I can't come back. Number three, our experiences then, like those of Israel, have a purpose. They often are made to create and to build our discipline. So my journey that God has designed for me is creating something in my life or forcing me to do something in my life which is create discipline. We want it, we want it to create the destiny. But what your journey does is it creates your discipline. So we're, we're working out for this race. So I'm just going to show up the day of the race and I'm ready. No. My desire forces my discipline. It forces me to work on things and to fix things and to correct things because I know the desire that I have. Now let me show it to you this way. So when we talk about our disciplines. Let me show you the disciplines that I, that you need to add and that Israel had to add to get to where they wanted to be. Number one, or A, 
When you are wanting to create disciplines that will help you move from where you are, let's just say in them, on one side of the Jordan to the other side of the Jordan, then the very first discipline that you have to have is you have to be able to talk to the Lord. You have to be able to pray and you have to be able to listen. One of the things Joshua had going for him this whole time was that if you notice Luke chapter 1 and 2 and 3, Joshua is in constant communication with God. God is telling Joshua, this is what I'm going to do. Joshua, I'm going to take care of you. Joshua, be of good courage. Joshua, here's how we're going to get across the Jordan. Joshua, here's, here's what's going to take place. Go with me to, in your Bibles to Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11. So when we talk about talking to the Lord, Joshua is constantly doing this. It's amazing to me how many people want God to do a miracle who never want to talk to God about the miracle. Tell me if you're somebody in this room that the very first discipline you've got to learn is to be able to talk about what it is you want God to do. I go back to the race. I've been telling people for months, we'll run this 15K, one tough mutter. And they're like, man, I've looked that thing up online. You sure you get, I don't know, I'll die trying. I've done decided I'm going to do it. I've, and the more I talk about it, the more it pushes me, i got to do it. I've got to finish it. The more, the more you talk to God and the more you spend time with God, the more it becomes evident I have to do it. What shuts us down is, is when we hear it from God, maybe we come to church one Sunday and God says, you need to start doing this. And you may meet me after church and say, God, Pastor, I'm telling you, God's really, boy, that was an awesome sermon, Pastor Lot. God just spoke to me. What did he speak? Well, it's just some stuff. He was, no, 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 tell me what he spoke. Because what he spoke is what he's wanting you to do. And it's what you've got to get good at speaking. You got to get confident at speaking it. It may be, hey, I'm going to see my kids saved. Well, I'm telling you, that's hard sometimes, brother. I know it is, but you got to keep speaking it. Hey, I'm 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 going to quit this addiction that I've got. Don't don't speak. Well, it's just something I deal with. No, no, start speaking what God told you to speak. What did God say? God said I can break. Well, then start speaking it. Start speaking to your Jordan before you ever get to your Jordan. Start telling people you're going to cross the Jordan. Go ahead and tell people the Jordan's not going to get hold you back. Go ahead and tell people the Jordan ain't got no hold on me. I'm crossing the Jordan. Whatever that Jordan is. Here's the way Matthew says it. Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Ask and it will be. Seek and you will. Knock and it will be. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and him who knocks, it will be. Now that, that sounds kind of weird. It's almost like, what is, it, what is he talking about? Well, he explains. Listen, for every one of you who, who asks, 
What percentage do you say that is? It's 100%. Jesus, this is Jesus talking, and Jesus says, let me just tell you, everyone who asks gets an answer. Everyone. Well, brother, Lord, I didn't, I didn't feel like I got an answer. Did you knock? Did you keep knocking until somebody opened the door? Well, I knocked once or twice, but I felt like God didn't want me to have it, so I... Did you quit seeking? The thing you wanted two years ago, the thing you wanted a year ago, are you still excited about it? Are you still talking about it? Do you still have pictures of it? Are you, are you still telling everybody you're going to get it? Or is that just something you've done? See, if you ask, you receive. If you seek, you find. If you knock, it'll be open. For everyone who asks, receive. And he who seeks always finds. And him who knocks, it will be open. That's his promise. Well, how long is it going to take? I ain't got no clue. I don't have no name. My problem. I'm just going to keep hammering on that door. How many times are you going to ask? He didn't say how long. I just ask, keep asking, keep asking. Abraham asked 25 years before he finally got his son. Noah asked 120 years when he built a boat. When's it going to rain? He just said, if you keep doing what you're supposed to do when I give it to you, there's a 100% chance you will get it. Problem is, we didn't get it when I wanted it. Well, think of the children of Israel. For 40 years, they've been wandering around in a desert wanting to go in. How long have they been knocking? 40 years. Hey, maybe this year. Nope. Let's make another loop in this desert. Grandma died. Well, Grandma didn't get to see it, but I'm going to see it. In fact, the whole generation died waiting for the promise. But the next generation that came along had just as much, if not more, excitement about the fact that we're going in. Let me show it to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and who knocks. Verse 9. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a... So you got a, you got a baby tonight, and the baby's crying, and it wants milk, so you give it water. Right? You go to the store, you do whatever you got to do, you scrounge up the pennies, you, you call your mama, look, I need some milk. Do you love your baby? And you're evil. You ain't even in your right mind. And you're not that bad. If, if your son asks for bread, you give him a stone? Or, or if, he, if he asks for a fish, do you give him a snake? That's what he says, verse 10. If he asks for a fish, do you give him a snake? Verse 11. If, if you then being... Now, thank God I was picking on y'all. Y'all just were evil. No, that's what Jesus said about you. This is what Jesus said about you. He said, y'all evil folks. Y'all know y'all selfish and all messed up. If you being that evil yourself still would do something good for someone you love... 
How much more then will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who... This is the way the economy of heaven works. Go with me to Romans. Romans 8 and 15. Romans 8 and 15. Basically, your Father in heaven takes care of His kids. Here's what it says. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but to receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Father. And He says, if your Father, earthly Father, would give you good things, how much more does your heavenly Father give good gifts. So number one, here's what you've got to learn if you're going to move from this side of the Jordan to the other. You've got to learn to pray. You've got to learn to talk. You've got to learn to listen. You've got to learn to verbalize what it is you want. You can't sit in a corner with your finger, your thumb, and your mouth and sit there and keep wondering why God is not doing something. You've got to speak it. You've got to knock on it. You've got to ask for it. You've got to go after it. You've got to keep Because God says, my goal is to give you the good things. My goal is to give you the things that I've told you that I want to give you. Number two. The second thing that Joshua understood about this was this word consecration. The word consecration. In Joshua 3 and 5, he talks about, now consecrate yourselves. Get yourselves ready. So I have to speak it, but while I'm speaking this word, I also have to do something for myself. The word consecration literally means to sanctify, to prepare myself, to dedicate myself to it. So just like the race, I spoke, I'm running the race. I am running that race. So that means the second thing God says, all right, Tim, can you consecrate yourself to it? Faith without works is, you can speak it all day long, but if you have no action of faith behind it, it won't work. So that means just about every day I have to work out. This, this morning at 7.15, I'm at a park with the other guys, and we've got to run four, four and a half miles. Walk, run jog, crawl, whatever we have to do to finish. But we got there. And somebody's like, oh man, I can't. I understand, because God didn't ask you to consecrate yourself to that. But there's things I see you doing that I'm thinking, man, that's, that's good. I don't think I could do that. But to not consecrate yourself to anything, to talk about everything, oh, I'm, this is what I want to do, or this is what I'd like to do, this is what I hope God does, this is what... And I see people all the time that's always like, man, here's what I'd like, I wish God would do this in my church, I wish God would do this for my family, I wish God would do this. What are you doing? What have you consecrated to make sure that it happens? I wish my marriage was, was better, Brother Lot. 
Are you doing devotions together? Are you praying for each other? Do you lay your hands on them every morning when they get up and say, I'm going to pray for you that you have a great day today, and I want you to pray for me? Are you doing things that consecrate your lives together? Or are you like, well, I just hope it works out. You got to knock. You got to seek it. You got to go find it. And then you got to consecrate yourself to the work of it. Joshua and the children of Israel, they were told, they said, look, we're crossing over. So if there's anything holding you back, if there's anything you ain't got right, if there's anything that ain't, because we're fixed to go fight some giants. We are fixed to go fight some enemies. We're fixed to go take on some walled cities. You better have your act together. We know later that one of them didn't. His name was Achan. Achan's like, I'm ready. Man, I'm ready to do this. He got across the Jordan. As soon as he got to his first battle, when he got to Jericho and they got the spoils of Jericho, and God said, all of those spoils go into my treasury because you didn't win this battle. I'm the one that pushed the walls down. You know what Achan did? He hid part of it in his tent. Let me tell you why. He wasn't committed to it. I want to live there. I know you do. Man, I want, I want all the blessings. I know you do. But can you consecrate yourself to it? The sad part is because Achan could not, they stoned not only him, they stoned his wife, they stoned his children, they stoned his servants, they stoned his cows, they stoned his sheep, they stoned everything, not one thing that ever belonged to Achan ever got to inherit that land. Achan is the same guy that's been walking for 40 years. You've got to remember that Achan's not a bad guy. He's been walking for 40 years like everybody else, waiting to get in. He crosses the Jordan just like everybody else. But inwardly, inwardly he wasn't committed. And it's tough. It's 6.20 this morning when my alarm goes off in my head, and it's like, Tim, you've got to get up. You've got to drive to the park. You've got to go run. I'd like to tell you, I'm like, yeah. I'm really like, I don't know if I feel good today. Maybe I'll just text them and tell them I won't make it. But that's where your consecration comes in. That's where, can you say no? And God can't do this for you. You have to make this decision. You have to decide, I'm dying right here. This is it. Why am I doing it? Because... God's done said, I won't withhold anything good. I know I'm going to give you good things, but you got to want it. Number three. We must make sure that we have no will in the matter. I was talking to someone today and... and we were kind of in this as I was reading this and kind of going through my, my life and it brought back a thought that, that, that I live by. To, to When God was working on me and growing me, He said, Tim, here's what I need you to learn to do. Because I'm a dreamer. My head's always in the cloud. I'm ADD. So, I mean, I, I could be doing something like squirrel. You know, I, I'm, 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 I'm that person. And so God's like, Tim, I need you to work on this. Okay, God, anything. I'll do anything. He said, 
I need you to stay in the moment. And that sounds easy, doesn't it? Just enjoy the moment. Anybody else struggle with that? Even if something's good's happening, you're thinking, oh, yeah, but tomorrow I got... Yeah, but I mean, I, I wish so-and-so would have been here. It would have been a whole lot better if they... I mean, e- even in the moment, we have a struggle at being at that moment and being present without some negativity, something that wasn't right, something that could have been different. Well, the birthday was great, yeah, but the ice cream was melted. The birthday was great! Uh, I know it, but I wish the ice cream... I, I don't know, I, I'll have to work better at that next time. You Staying in the moment... Henry Blackaby in his book Experiencing God says it this way when you're seeking to know God's will you have to reach a point where you have no will in the matter when you're, when you're chasing after God's will when, when, you're, when you're fixing to hear we're going across the Jordan we're going to just walk off in it before you want to know God's will on something here's what you, you need to make sure you've got no will in the matter Because I guarantee you, whatever God's fixed to say is not what you were thinking. He's going to do a new thing. And you can't go back to the old. And he says, everything I'm bringing you through is the purpose of teaching you discipline. If you want to know God's will, you need to reach a point where you say, Lord... However you want to work in this situation is fine with me. If you want me to have that promotion, fine. If you don't, fine. That's fine as well. I trust you in this situation. If God's going to say, look, I'm going to bless you, then quit trying to figure out how God's going to bless you. Well, well, if I can get this promotion, man, I feel like this is what God... Quit feeling have no will in the, in the situation. Just do what you're supposed to do. Be the best employee you're supposed to be. Do what you're supposed to do every time. Be, be faithful. Be the first one there, last one to leave. Do everything you're supposed to do. And God says, I will promote you in due time. I will do it. Promotion comes neither from the east to west, north or south, but from me. So when it happens, you'll know I did it in my time and my way. Quit thinking. You're only going to leave yourself frustrated. The more you keep asking, oh, when, do, when am I going to get this situated? When, when are we going to get this state? Putting a time clock on God's a bad idea. And trying to get Him to move in your time period won't work. So number three is understanding that you must have no will in the matter. I love how Billy Graham's wife said it this way, and this was real funny when she said it. She said, if God had answered all my prayers... She would have married the wrong man several times before she married Billy. We don't think about it like that, but Billy Graham's wife, growing up, oh, I'd love to marry that guy. Love to marry that guy. God's like, no, nah, it's Billy. Really? Billy? Yeah. Number four. That means that what I have to do, no matter what's going on and what the situation and what the circumstances... I have to learn to delight myself in the Lord. Like right now, I just have to just be happy. When I stood up here a while ago, oh man, it's right. Why does it have to rain right when I'm fixing to preach? And I mean, 
man, it's all this noise and it's just messing up everything I'm doing. And oh, God, Tim, just do what you're supposed to do. Quit worrying about it. Have you noticed the sound? I got it, Tim. I'll take care of everything that needs to be. Your job is to get up there, say something funny, and delight yourself in the Lord. I could have got up here and said, guys, I'm sorry. I know it makes a lot of noise when it rains. I'm, I, I apologize. I sh probably should have put shingles on when I did it and probably shouldn't have put a metal building on I just want y'all to know how sorry. And I'm, I'm going to have a board meeting soon and we're going to try to do our best to get this new roof put on or something to fix this or get some sound panels. And I just want y'all to know I'm sorry. I know y'all wouldn't act like that if something went wrong, but I'm just saying there are people that do. Of all the things my parents taught me well was that no matter what we were going through to just laugh at it. You get to choose. You can laugh at it. Or you can sit there and meditate and just moan on it and hope it goes away or hope everybody feels sorry for you. I found out laughing at it made it pass by a whole lot faster and we just got on to the next thing. And so he says, listen, delight yourself. Go with me to Psalms 37 and 4. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible says. I don't know if this is helping y'all, but I hope it is. Because this is, how you, this is the way you walk across your Jordans. He says it this way, delight yourself also in the Lord. So I told you, you've got to delight yourself in the Lord. Now, it's amazing how God doesn't have to put this. He could just say, I'm God, and I'm telling you to cheer up. I'm God, and I'm in control, and you need to, you need to just quit whining. But he doesn't say that. He says, delight yourself in the Lord. And he puts a promise right behind it. And he shall give you. He didn't have to put that. That's just out of love. I should automatically desire to put God first and love God. And to... But he says, Tim, let me just say this. If you can push through what you can see and you can push through the moment and you can push through, if you'll just delight yourself in me no matter what it looks like and how it's going and all, I promise you, Tim, I promise you, I will give you the delights of your heart. He said, I'll take care of it. And, and, and just, you know, for good measure, go with me to Jeremiah 29 and 13. Jeremiah 29 and 13. And you will seek me and when you search for me with all of your... He said, all these promises, one right after... I'm, I'm going to be there. I'm going to... Don't worry about it. I got you covered. Number five. Give God the credit then when the good stuff happens. Now, but I'm the one bragging on God. I'm, I'm the one sucking it up and cheering. and I'm the one, I know it, but it's God who does the miracle. 
Paul had this in Aces. He said, look, some may do the watering, and that's great. Some may do planting, that's great. But don't think anybody makes stuff grow. Only God makes the stuff grow. And it's the same way in our lives when we want to cross the Jordan, when we want to do something, it's, it's okay to say, hey man, I, I was dedicated, I committed myself, I'd done the best I could, and, and, and I didn't quit, I didn't, that's great. But when you get to the end of the story, you had better have one way to solve it all up. Let me tell you something, while I was still flubbing it up and messing it up and trying to get there and, and hold it together, God showed up and did something miraculous. That's what, that's what he tells the people of Israel. He said, when you get there, understand it's not you that's going to make that Jordan move. But as you do what you're supposed to do, the priests are going to carry the ark. Twelve priests are going to carry that ark. And as they're carrying it, you're going to be almost a, a thousand feet behind, several thousand feet behind. And, and as you're these feet behind, it's for a purpose. So you can know which way God is going. That you can't say, I'm the one that, you know, we picked that way. No, you didn't. The ark went, and you went the way the ark went, and you followed it. In fact, in between you and them are 12 others, one person from every tribe who's standing there as a leader saying that when the priests get to the bottom and when they stop, we're going to grab 12 different stones to represent all the tribes. That's how much confidence that we have that we're not only going to get across the Jordan, but we're going to get across in spades. We're going to stand there for a while. So when we get to these points in our lives, it's important. Go with me to Proverbs, Proverbs 3 and 6. Proverbs 3 and 6. In all your ways, acknowledge it. Let it be that comes from your mouth, the Lord made the difference. How did you get here? Just the Lord. How, how did you make it through? It was God. And how do you hold it together? Hey, it's, it's Jesus living in me. The hope of glory, the Holy Spirit. Man, it's not me. It's, it's, he says, acknowledge me in all your ways. And then notice what happens on this promise. This is a different kind of promise. But if you will keep bragging on me, and you will keep putting me in the front, and you'll say that all the good stuff is coming from me, and you'll keep telling everybody and bragging on me over and over and over, let me tell you what I'll do the next time you run into you don't know where to go. And he shall... It's not complicated. Moving forward is not complicated. Unless you don't have the discipline. If you don't have these disciplines, then you're not going to know what path to take. If you don't have these disciplines, He's not going to open doors. He's not going to create miracles. He's not going. It is in the disciplines that Israel had to learn all through the process that finally gave them the confidence to walk across and God could direct them. The early group couldn't do this. God had to say, here's where I want you. No, 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 we don't want to go there. Think about it this way. From this moment on, from this moment on, there will never be another fire by night and there will never be another cloud by day. Up until this point, in the desert, He has covered them and, and, 
He had to. They wouldn't listen. They were stiff-necked, hard hearing is what he called them. So he had to put this, we think it like, oh, it's so cool, man, I'd love to see. But that was not, that was not for, for, for glory. That was because they couldn't learn to hear. It's hot. Well, let's get under the cloud. It's cold. Let's get near the fire. It doesn't matter if they're smart or dumb. They could do that. I am not going to trust God at all. Whoo, getting awful hot. I think I'd get under that cloud. Okay, I don't want to, but I'm going. That was the way God was leading them. We think it's like, he led them by fire. No. They were so stiff-necked that if they had any other option to not have to follow God, they would have done it. And now, when Joshua takes command, for the first time, there'll be no more fire. He says, listen, from this moment on, give me the credit. From this moment on, let me be the one that leads you. Now let me sh- sh- explain why I need to share that. Because let's walk through our points and l- let me get to the next part. Our life like Israel is always a journey in a new way. You've never gone this way before. Number two, you're never going to go back to the way it was. The fire's gone. The cloud's gone. The manna quits. You can't go back. That, those days are over. Jesus would say, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And isn't it amazing how we struggle with that? Jesus said it so nonchalantly. Old things have passed away. So look at the person beside you and say, nothing I was, am I anymore? Nothing I did, I do anymore. None of the ways I talked, I don't talk that way anymore. See, Jesus said it so easy, like, everything you was, Everything you did, it's gone. The only way you can go back to it is how? You just want to drag yourself back to it. It's gone. You got to go back to something. And it's what's so funny because when, isn't it amazing how when you try to go back, especially when you really committed your life to God, you want to go back. It's never the same, is it? You can't have as much fun as you used to have. It's like even when everybody else is drinking, you used to drink. Now that you're in that room, you're like, I am not supposed to be here. You know why? Because you can't go back to where you were. Jesus says it just pretty easy. Hey, you're different. It's over. Old things passed away. All things have become new. You're a new creature. Now get used to going forward. Quit, quit worrying about ever going backwards. Life's always about forward. Life's always about moving forward. Life's always about moving forward. What if I die? Guess what he tells you? Absent from the body is to be... Guess what you're going to do when you die? You're going to be going forward. You'll never go backwards another day in your life. Never go backwards another day in your life. Okay. 
So we shall can't go back the other way. Have never been here before. Number three, just like Israel, our purposes, our uh, movement, just like Israel, are often for purposes of discipline. Everything that we've been through is to prepare us, and discipline is how it prepares us for the next step. So we've got to go through the stages of discipline. Number four. Our discipline then creates our journey. You can't have the journey without the disciplines. Israel could not go in 40 years earlier, Israel could not go into Canaan. Why? Somebody talk to me. Do what? They weren't disciplined. It's real simple. They wouldn't listen to him. They wouldn't talk. He said, you can't go. Moses wasn't even disciplined. Moses said, you can't go either. I told you to talk to the rock. What'd you do? Hit it with a stick. You don't get to go either. This whole group is undisciplined. And I cannot bring you into this next place until you're disciplined. So if your life right now feels like, man, I feel like I'm in a desert. Let me tell you why. You're undisciplined. Can I tell you how long you're going to stay in that desert? Till you get disciplined. I just want to let you know. How long is my marriage going to be like this? Till you get disciplined. How long is our family going to be chaotic like this? Until you get disciplined. How long's my life going to be all just up and down and job and quit and starting till you get disciplined? And if you don't, God says, you can die. I'll work with your kid. Or I'll find somebody else. But I will not move you forward without the correct amount of discipline. I will not do that. I love you too much to do that. So discipline then creates the journey. Number four, our journey also leads to the promised land. So the discipline of Israel allows them now to be given Canaan. It's what Jesus God does. God says, Joshua, I have given you the land. Your discipline, if you don't turn left or right, but listen to everything I say, you, no one will ever stand before you. He's saying your discipline is determining your journey. You're going to go into Canaan because you're disciplined. You're going to have opportunities because you're disciplined. But, number five. There's this word. It's called fidelity. And I was really struggling. I was like, I need to know exactly what that word, how it works. Fidelity. I hear that word and it's like fidelity. Here's what fidelity means. It means faithfulness to the obligations. It means faithfulness to the duties. Faithfulness to the observances. It, it, one translation, it, the condition of behavior of engaging in sex 
only with one spouse. We hear that word fidelity. That's, that's where a lawyer term will come. Been unfaithful. It's where the word infidel comes in. You're an infidel. You are not faithful to the cause. You are, you, you are. But fidelity means one part for, for a relationship. It means the exact correspondence with fact. I love that. To be an exact correspondence with facts. Or with a given quality. Or event or accuracy. Why, why is this? Because listen to me. Discipline creates your journey. Our journey leads us into the promised land. But our fidelity brings us there. Discipline opens the door. The journey says you're invited in. Fidelity gives you the confidence and the ability to do it. I don't know how many other ways to say that. Let me show it to you in the picture of Joshua. Let's go to verse 8 or verse 9 now and let's read the rest. This was the promise. Now let's see what happens. Joshua 3 verse 9. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here, hear the words of the Lord your God. So now put all these things I've just told you together. They are disciplined. They, they have disciplines. They, have, they understand it's time to journey. And they have fidelity. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, that you will without fail drive out all before you, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Parasites, and the, and the Gershites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord, your God, on the, all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off. The waters shall come down from upstream, or shall be or that come down from upstream, they shall stand up as a heap. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. And as those people who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priest who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflowed all its banks during the whole time of harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam. Now this didn't happen, right, like, this is different than the, than the children of Israel who were baptized into Moses. This is not a baptism into salvation. This is an act of faith, of consecration. They're different. That's why I said you can't ever go back 
to, to, I guess I'm starting over. No, you're not. You're not going back there. That's a different time. That's a different water. The waters that you have to deal with now are waters that scare you and you have to be consecrated and committed to the Word of God that says you're going over. Now journey with me and let me test your fidelity. Let me test your fidelity. It is your fidelity that will move you forward. It's your fidelity that will hold in faith what you say you believe. That the waters which came down in heaps rose Adam. The city that is beside Zedarin. Zeritan. And so the waters that went down into the Sea of Arab, the salt uh, salt sea, the Dead Sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite. Now I want you to notice this now. Where did they cross over at? Opposite of Jericho. What was the first city they had to fight? Do you think it was an accident that God stopped the waters and everybody in Jericho who's sitting there watching and thinking, you know, we ain't got to worry about war right now. I know them people talking about coming over here, but right now, you ain't got to worry. Look at the Jordan is at, at its banks, at its peak. And we ain't got to worry. We got, it may be fall, maybe a little bit later, they'll, they'll cross over somehow, get, start building some boats and some rafts, and they'll get over. Can you imagine the shock on Jericho's people when all of a sudden they start seeing about two million people walking toward the water? And as they get close to the water, 12 guys toting a box start to walk in, and when they get to the middle of it, it heaps up about five to six miles up the river and it stops and they just stand right there in the middle and, and it's important because he didn't open it wide enough for them to go through like the Red Sea. He just shut it off on one end and it dried up all the way to the Dead Sea. So now all of a sudden, two million people are crossing over this Jordan. It was a mud hole. They crossed over on dry land. And they crossed over right at the next place that God says, that's your next victim. That's your next victory. You would have never known that victory if they hadn't watched you in this victory. Why? How do you know that, Brother Lot? Because later, oh, I wish I had time. Later, they will send spies into Jericho. And you know what? Rahab said, all the heart of the people's already gone, John. When they saw you guys cross the Jordan, every bit of strength they ever had to fight y'all, we've been locked up in here and hoping you go away. We're not coming out fighting you guys. Y'all stop rivers. Y'all make rivers stop. There's nothing that can stand. How are we going to fight y'all? When we saw y'all cross... Every bit of the fight left us. 
We thought we were bad till we saw y'all. And Joshua didn't even know that what he was doing here was setting up for his next victory there. Everything in your journey, everything of the discipline that God wants in your life is preparing you to direct you in your journey. That journey is always designed to get you into your promising. But it is your fidelity, it is your ability to move. This is what happens. Verse 17. Then the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all of Israel crossed over on dry ground. It was their fidelity until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. That's fidelity. The ability to believe it, to journey in it, to say, I've never heard. Somebody looks at them and says, have you ever done anything like this? I ain't never heard of nobody doing this. You think this is going to work? It's going to work. Joshua says it's going to work. It's going to work. They had the fidelity to follow after that box and believe that that water would never come back and get them. To believe that five miles up, one historian said there was a mudslide and everything got, got covered up and it stopped. And, and I'm thinking to myself, that's pretty cool. That God knew exactly when the mudslide was coming. And on the exact day when they needed to cross... And to make sure that mudslide stayed just long enough for two million people, not one of them to be injured, to go across. I said, even if that's it, I'm glad God knows where the mudslides are fixing to happen. He knows the next thing that's fixing to take place. God is in control. God will direct your... So let me sum it up. If God looks at me tomorrow and says, Tim, i got a challenge for you. First thing I have to wrestle with is, God, I've never done this before. He's like, I know. But I'll be with you. But you can't stay here, Tim, because if you stay here, you're going to get miserable. You've got, you got to move. I wouldn't be asking you to move if I thought you could be happy staying here. You've got to go forward and you can't stay where you've been. But Tim, I need you to search yourself and I need you to let me search you and I need you to let me make sure that you're disciplined enough. And I need to test your discipline. I need you to let me test it. It's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. But it's okay. I've done promised you your promised land. Just journey with me. And when I say go, Tim, when I say move, I need you to trust me and be committed to me and be locked into me with fidelity enough to know that it's just me and you. And you're not going to bail on me. And you're not going to quit on me. See, when God can find those kind of people, then miracles happen. Seek, and you will find it. 
Knock. It will be open. Ask, and you shall receive. Will you stand? Maybe this sermon tonight is right where you are. You're right at that, looking at that Jordan, and it's like, I got to get across that thing. And I know God's called me to get across it. And I've, I've tried to do my best tonight to share with you how you do it, how you move to the next place in your marriage, how you move to the next place in your work life. How you move in the next place in your own emotions or addictions. or It doesn't matter what Jordan it is. Whatever that thing is that's looking at you tonight and saying, you're going to be stuck here for a long time. And God's saying, no, no, it's time. I hope with all of my heart tonight as I pray you out. As I pray over you. That you take what you've written down tonight and you put it into action. My people are destroyed by lack of knowledge. Not knowing what to do. And I've given you tonight a recipe. A biblical recipe to how to not stay depressed by being stuck when you don't belong anymore. Father, for that person in this room right now. Whatever that Jordan is, whatever that next place to get into my next Canaan, my next victory, my next... God, I thank You that You have not said this is the end for them. I'm thankful that You have said there's a future, there's a new day, there's, a, there's an ahead for You. Give them the courage to be able to release and let go and not worry about their yesterday. We can't go back to yesterday. We can't hold on to yesterday. Thank you for our future. Now God, search us and check our discipline. Check how disciplined I am toward what it is I desire, what it is you've put on my heart, what it is you've called me to. Check me. If there's anything lacking, then correct it, strengthen it. Mold me into the person. Don't let me be an aching. Don't let me just keep sliding through until one day disaster catches me. As David of old would say, search me, O God, and see if there be anything that's in me that doesn't belong. God, I ask that you do that for each of us as we journey, as we win victories, as we go into the land you've called us to. Thank you for the night, for the marriages that won't be the same. Thank you for the lives that won't be stuck where they are. Thank you for those that have been wrestling that God, tonight, they enter release. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Don't give that old devil fits. <laughs>